Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hi, everybody, and happy Labor Day wherever you might be. Maybe you have the day off, which is really cool, and I'm just excited to have you join me. My guest today is Evie Bonuelos. I'm so sorry, I'm going to say this right, Venezuelos. And if I've missed it, Evie, just you say it. I, I thought I had it perfect, and obviously I blew it. Oh, God. That's totally um, fine. There you go. That's just because you are a kind person. Um, Evie is the founder and the president of Pups Without Borders. And, Evie, I'm just, I am delighted to have you join me today because I think what you do is so cool. And let's let's start off by just letting our listeners know a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit about your background. Sure. So I was born and raised in San Francisco, um, and I was there until I was 17. And then I moved to L.A. to attend UCLA for music. Um, I was a flute player. Uh, I ended up staying at UCLA and getting a master's as well. So music was really my focus and my passion, but... All along the way, I always loved dogs. I always had dogs. I always volunteered with dogs. Um, and as I got older, as the music grew, the dog work grew as well. So I would work with other rescues, either fostering or mm. walking or volunteering. And um, it, it really just kept growing until COVID. That's when things changed. But I will uh, let you go <laughs> on to your next question. Yes, and you know, it's funny because COVID changed this world, um, and depending upon your circumstance in life, whether whatever your lifestyle was, um, it certainly did, especially senior citizens that were, like myself, that, you know, were very fearful of this, and they, they weren't getting out, and everything. It was, it was a difficult time, but what I find so fascinating about you is that you are you are a stick to it kind of person, and it's interesting um, about your background in music because I think you taught as well, didn't you? Yeah. So after I graduated from UCLA, I started teaching just flute lessons, piano lessons, and then that grew into um, running a music camp and then becoming a full time private music teacher uh, with gigging on the side, like in the evenings with an opera company mostly. That's really great. It's funny because my daughter also got a degree from UCLA in, in theater arts. Interesting. Nice. Um, Go for and, and she's yeah. And you know it's so exactly. And you know it's so funny because what you got your degree in isn't what you're working in right now. And the same for her. Yeah. But you know yeah. that's just how it works. So let's let's talk about this phenomenal nonprofit that you have. So when did you start Pups Without Borders? So we started. During COVID, um, I was teaching over Zoom, like a lot of teachers, teaching music over Mm -hmm. Zoom, which was hard. And then our school essentially ended up having to lay off um, a lot of the arts teachers in particular, but a lot of teachers. Um, And I couldn't really get another teaching job because it was COVID. So Mm -hmm. uh, my roommate at the time, Torin, he kind of just inspired me to realize that we could just do this for a while because I'd always fostered for other rescues and I'd always wanted to foster a, a pregnant dog but had never had the time because you really have to be home a lot for mm-hmm. um, a pregnant mm-hmm. dog puppy. So I got my first pregnant dog, Storm. She was off of the streets in Tijuana and um, helped her deliver the puppies and found homes for all of them. And before you knew it, we had, I want to say, up to five dogs within the house like we converted the garage into a back house we had a spare bedroom a master bathroom like the dogs had taken over the house um <laughs> but yeah it really developed yeah over a couple months of finding you know a- another person to help pick up poop and do dog walks and then helping right. with the posting and the website and it grew into this you know it's really funny um 
as you know, I, I, I write two blogs um, for every guest that's on my show, and I try to include some pictures. And I'm going to tell you, because you don't know this yet, I found a picture of Storm on Google Images with two of her puppies, and her picture yeah. is going to be in my blog um, because yeah. I know that she was kind of the beginning for you. So yeah. what, where, was, where did the inspiration come to to start this because it's not easy to start a nonprofit. It's definitely not easy. So if you had asked me more than three years ago what my dream was, I would have laughed and said it was to have a dog rescue that also paired with kids who were in the foster system where each child mm-hmm. had like a dog that they trained and took care of. And then I would laugh and say, but that's never going to happen. Um, so it was, it was a pipe dream. And um, so my friend, now my neighbor, whose house I'm in, Torin, he really kept saying, he's like, why can't you do it? Why can't you do it? And we were like, well, you know, and I was working with another rescue, just kind of volunteering with them. And mm-hmm. nobody would give me a job. That was the other thing, is I felt like I had these skills, you know. And, and Torin kept saying, well, you know how to find the adopters. You know how to do this shot. You know how to do all this. And I was asking other rescues to to hire me because I couldn't teach anymore. And eventually I, I said, I guess I just have to do this on my own. And at the time I thought, well, you know, there's not like a huge need. There's enough rescues. I was so wrong. I was so wrong. There's mm-hmm. such a need. And if any one of us goes down, it would be very, very bad. Uh, but anyway, yes. um, yeah, that, that was kind of the inspiration was we needed help for the dogs. We needed people um and we needed the paperwork like everything had to come together and mm-hmm. then it just became this life of its own that really took over well it's not easy to start a nonprofit, and i'm sure most people would understand that so did you did you start around 2019 2020 is that because that's kind of when COVID was going yeah. yeah right during COVID. yeah right so, but you've had a background in dog rescues, as you mentioned earlier. What what was that What was that like for you? Um, so I had started really small scale when I got my dog Magic. That was from Pugs and Roses, and he's a pit bull. But they had found him oh, at Magic no. Johnson Park. Yeah, with a little puggle named Irvin. My friend mm. Alicia was fostering him. I know I was 22. I was not an ideal adopter. I lived in a townhouse that didn't allow dogs. And I fell in love with him, and I adopted him. And a couple months later, I moved to a house. And then a few years after that, I moved to the house that I'm in now. So uh, Magic was first, and then I started fostering with uh, Karma Rescue. And it was awesome. Um, Except generally, the people I lived with, either like my partner at the time or my roommates at the time, did not want another dog in the house. That, that was all mm. the problem. And if one thing went wrong, like the dog peed inside or if the dog got into a right. scuffle, they would ask me to get the dog back, and it, I didn't have the ability to say no. So once mm-hmm. I was in my own home that I owned with my roommate who was all for it, that's when we were able to, like, go, you know, hard and deep and <laughs> jump right in. Well, well sure. And um, I, a lot of your dogs come from Tijuana. Is that correct? Did I, do I understand that correctly? Yeah, it used to be almost 100%, and now it's probably around 50%. I see. All right. Well, you know, you you can't go anywhere without seeing dogs. And what you hope you see, unless you're at a dog park where it's enclosed with with fences, you know, you want to see dogs on a leash. You don't want to see Mm. dogs roaming freely. They're different than a cat. Um, yeah. But let's let's talk about um, your team. And by the way, you have a fabulous, fabulous website. And for those of you okay. that are listening, it's so simple. It's just pups without borders, and that isn't the borders. It's somebody that's staying at your house. It's not B O A. It's B O R. Pups B-O-R. without borders. Dot <laughs> org. And by by going to that website, um, pupswithoutborders.org, you will see all of the different things that we're talking about today and ways that you can get involved. But why don't you tell us a little bit, because you can't do this without a team. So tell us a little bit about the members of your your team. Yeah, we have 
I'm, I'm a little biased that we have the best team in the world. Okay, you should be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so actually the first person that I hired, quote unquote, was Joanna, who's our adoption coordinator now. I mean, that's the hat that she wears that she does, mm-hmm. like a lot of us, 50,000 different things. Um, right. So she actually adopted two of Storm's puppies. That's how I met her. Uh, oh. And then when I, yeah, she adopted, um, well, their names are Riley and Molly now, and they are gigantic and very spoiled. Uh, so when mm. I posted you know, a month or two later that I was looking for some part-time help, just taking care of the dogs, she reached out. Um, she was managing a restaurant, and of course, during COVID, they didn't meet her anymore, so she was on a hiatus. Right. Uh, mm. And she never left. <laughs> and she's not allowed to. Um, so she now handles not only all of the adoptions. So if you apply, you know, she's sending you an email in response. She's scheduling an interview. She's doing the home check, making sure that you know what dogs are available, who's a good fit. She's also scheduling all the spay and neuters. She's scheduling the puppy parties that we do. We offer puppy mm-hmm. parties in order to help, you know, fund the rescue. And then just helping put out every other fire that comes up every day, uploading records, doing all that stuff. Um, sure. And then we have, yeah, uh, Liesl was the next person that I hired who was a roommate of uh, Foster. Same thing, just needed help with dog walking. And, and before you know it, she was um, uh, going into the kennels, showing our kennel staff how to clean everything, how to care for the dogs, how to train the dogs. And now her official title is vice president and foster coordinator, but similarly, she does a lot of different things. We all do. Um, Tristan is absolutely amazing. He was friends with Joanna's, no, son, family relation (laughs) to Joanna, Uh and came on and quickly moved up and helped us, again, with, like, dog training, driving, puppy parties, um, managing the staff, and uh, he's gotten so busy helping a lot of different rescues. He's, He's given us as much time as he can, but... We also have, I want to say, 11 um, part-time kennel workers who are there with the dogs the majority of the day, um, taking them out, cleaning their kennels, doing laundry, feeding, meds, taking pictures. They're amazing. They're getting very sweaty, working their butts off every day. You know, for those that don't know, um, where where are you located? Where where is your organization? Um, Where do you operate out of? We are in Van Nuys, and our um, facility is right on Van Nuys Boulevard. Okay. So, yeah. for 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 those of us that live in Southern California, we know where Van Nuys is. And for those of you that don't, we'll be talking more about how you could still be um, involved in what um, Evie is doing. I think that one of the things that I think is so inspiring, truly inspiring is your core values and your mission for your rescues. Let's let's spend some time talking about those values and what's important to you. Okay. Oh, sorry. Okay. I thought you were going to ask me something. Uh, about no, 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 no. Just go right ahead. I, I, I want to talk about – I'm looking – I love your website, okay? Your website is so cute. Your logo is so cute. Is is that picture that's, that's that's you know a painted picture? Is that is that is that look like Storm to you? Is that who that face of that dog is? Actually, this is my dog Peaches. The uh, the logo oh. is my dog Peaches. And okay, that's your current I, well, dog. Yeah, and she's alive. She's doing great. She's very spoiled. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I have two personal dogs, Magic and Peaches. And um, honestly, when we started, I never knew we would get this big in order to get on pet finders and be able to, you know, adopt dogs out, I had to have a website, which meant we had to have a logo. And I almost did it like, well, we have to do these things just to adopt out the 12 dogs we're going to adopt out. You know, that's fine. But never know when we get over, you know, 4,500 dogs. Um, So I asked a friend of mine who's an artist to help with a logo. And I said, let's use peaches. So it's it's just pieces in uh, cartoon form. It's even got her little name tag on it. And um, I see that. the colors, like, he just thought were a good fit. And we've just grown so in love with all of them. They're so bright and happy uh, and kind of bold. And, and yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's my peachy, my very cool so peachy. So what, what, what breed is she? What, what, is she? what breed is Peaches? She's a total super mutt. She's probably 
pit shepherd lab and a couple other things. I actually mm-hmm. have not done the DNA test on her. I'm a bad dog yeah. mom. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, it's, it's there are so there are so many um, places for people to get. I, I adopted a cat. Um, yeah. You know, there are people that want to, you know, get have an animal in their home, and uh, I mean, you know, I just the opportunities are endless. But I just think what you're doing is just fabulous. So let's go back a little bit to those um, core values and what you hold dear. When we started, you know, Pups Without Borders, it was to help dogs who were not getting help in Tijuana. Because during COVID, as most of you probably remember, the shelters were clear. There was a huge supply of fosters, adopters, volunteers, because no one was working. Every dog was getting adopted. It was like hard to find dogs, at least here. In Mexico, Mm -hmm. there was something, kind of the opposite was happening. So here, people were okay. We had unemployment. We had, you know, people were, I I don't want to say okay, but like there was not a lot of people here starving to death, not getting any kind of income. In Mexico, uh, they were not providing unemployment. They were not providing like, you know, if you get sick and have to take time off work, like pay sick, sick leave. So people were dumping their dogs like crazy. Uh, So the problem there doubled immediately. And you were finding pregnant dogs all over the streets, dogs getting in fights with each other, getting hit by cars. It it was huge. Uh, So the need there was greater. So that's where we were rescuing. We also had friends there who were reaching out. We had a good network of fosters and drivers and vets. So it just, it made sense. Um, But really what it came down to was that was the need. Um, Our, focus on pregnant dogs started almost just by accident. We just really wanted to help a pregnant dog give birth, and then we kind of fell in love with them, uh, Storm being the first. And every pregnant dog we rescued just kind of solidified how much we wanted to keep helping them. Um, they're so loving and trusting, the moms. And they, you know, the, the fact that they're kind of laying on you while trying to give birth and trusting their puppies who are their most prized possessions with you. It's, it's like the deepest form of trust. Um, so we, we never left that, and I don't think we ever will. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of them are puppies, too. Like, I think the youngest mom we've had was probably like seven months herself. Um, oh, my so goodness. Also, Wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Wait. I, yeah. Let me interrupt you right now because I was sure. going to ask a question, and you just like went, what? So because <laughs> – I don't I, when I when I was growing up I also had a dog. I don't even remember how I got the dog, but we had the dog. I don't even know the gestation period. I don't even know how long dogs are pregnant before they deliver. You know, I'm not going to give the exact right answer because we almost never know when they get okay. pregnant, but I want to say it's about okay. 60 days, somewhere around really? there. Really? 50 to 60. Yeah. Really? I, I see I had <laughs> that's that, like you said, you didn't know when it started. I understand, but I didn't realize that it's you know one to two months that they're pregnant. And I, and does that go breed by breed? Is it depending upon the breed of the dog too? Probably. It'll it'll vary by a couple days to maybe a week, but I want to say it's right around sixty. And when I no. say I don't know when they get pregnant, I just mean like when we rescue them as a rescue. Sure. Usually, it's like a week before they give birth, maybe two or three. Wow. Somebody finds them and calls us and sends pictures, and we're like, okay, we got to no move kidding. that dog before it pops. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And then puppies mm. can have puppies. Yeah. I Tons of puppies. We have so many puppies. We wow. love puppies. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, and and probably just you had you had said a super mutt earlier. Um, I'm sh- most of them are mutts, they're mixed breeds, right? That's what a mutt is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I'd say the the vast majority of the dogs and puppies that we rescue are mixed breeds of some kind. Um, mm-hmm. We'll occasionally have purebred dogs because that's just the nature of life is um we either get them when they're like confiscated from a backyard breeder or somebody buys one and then isn't up for the challenge of actually having a dog and then hey Marley and then they um you know ask to surrender it. Uh but yeah right. the majority are, are mutts. Marley come here. I have Marley so with you're, me. She's one of our uh, super mutts that we adopted out. Oh that's Whoa. your babies are with you. 
There you go. Yes. Um, so back to some of the, those core values. Um, you know, I think that it's, there's a lot of different opportunities that you have um, at your – your, can I call it a facility? Is that, would that be what yeah. I would consider yeah, where you our, have – facility yeah. okay all right because I'm just I'm just looking at these pictures and um, I have fur babies as grandchildren and my son has the dogs my daughter has the cats and I'm looking at this picture called um, special skills and it's a pug oh. which is what what one of my fur babies is is a pug and it's just mm-hmm. it's so cute and you know you you can't go anywhere today if you like to walk, and I do like to walk, and I walk a lot, um, that you don't see people walking just a variety of dogs. Um, people, dogs, yeah. they they bring such joy to our lives, you know. And um, oh, what's what's the hardest part about doing what you do? I would think that there's a lot of challenges in what you do. Yeah, I mean, choosing one. <laughs> <laughs> Choosing yeah. one would be the hardest thing. Well, we've uh, got time. We've got time. That's Just true. share some no, of those um, things with us. I mean, our our biggest challenge is always a combination of time and money. So we we don't really take days off. You know, we'll put them in the calendar sometimes, but the most time we'll take off is if we take a trip, which might happen once a year for a couple of days. And even then, I guarantee you, all of us are on our phones for the majority of yes. it, which Anyways, but, you know, that's, that's a choice that we're making, but what mm-hmm. ends up happening is we have, you know, a litter of puppies and all these dogs, and then they need something. You know, the foster needs something. The dog gets sick or, like, something has to happen, and that falls on us to, to fix it, to make the phone call, to get the driver, to get the supplies, whatever's needed. And, again, that's fine. That's what we signed up for, but in terms of time, it, it never ends. Like, you know, my mm-hmm. schedule for today had maybe three things actually on it, including this. But if I have nothing in my calendar scheduled, I will wake up and 40,000 things will have occurred and I will be working from nine to nine. If I put things in the calendar, I'll have to ignore the emergencies that come up to deal with the things that were scheduled first and ask someone else on my team to deal with the emergencies. So um, the time is, is hard. Um, and then, you know, we're always working against Mother Nature. Um, so working with dogs in particular, with puppies, you know, diseases. Diseases happen a lot, especially because you can't vaccinate them until they're at least six to eight weeks old. Then you have to wait two to four weeks each time you vaccinate. So trying to keep them um, safe is hard, and it doesn't always work. You know, we trust them with fosters who do their best. We trust them at the facility and our staff do their best. But they are, like, walking little susceptible beings who are just magnets for diseases. Um, and, mm-hmm. and it just happens. They get sick sometimes. And then that becomes not only like a race to save them, but a financial issue because you would be shocked what it costs to do like a December or parvo treatment at a vet overnight. Um, it's usually starting at three to 4,000 for 24 hours. Uh, and oh, my gosh. Discount. Yeah, yeah. So it's really easy oh. to get underwater. Yeah, and um, you have to find ways to get creative. You know, people are always – some people, like, turn up their nose or look confused when I say that we do our own vaccines, we do our own microchips. Doing vaccines is actually incredibly easy. Um, we can't do rabies legally. That has to be done by a vet, and I wouldn't even want to mess with that. Microchips, once you've learned it, it's incredibly fast and easy, and, mm-hmm. you know, you spend $5 instead of at the vet. I want to say we spend 60 so dealing with the hundreds of dogs that we deal with every month, it, oh, I'm uh, it, it really adds up. So we have to find creative ways to save a dollar constantly. Um, I'm also not the type of person who's comfortable asking people for money. I don't, I don't think any of us are, but we're, yeah. we're getting better at it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we try and remind everyone that it, it's all going to the dogs every second of our day and every dollar that comes in in some form. So it's a plane going overhead. Uh, in some form, is going back to the dog. Uh, and then nope. probably yeah. uh, just the other big challenge is, is that we're working with animals and we're working with humans. Uh, the joke that we make is, you know, mm-hmm. until we're able to adopt dogs to other dogs, we are going to be working with people. And with people come personalities and come misunderstandings and 
you know, we get, we get yelled at a lot. Um, I don't think a lot of people know that. Like we get people send us angry messages. Um, mm. We, yeah, we get a lot of people mad at us, but you know what? Every job does. Like I look at my friends who are waiters and waitresses or, you know, work in retail and I'm like, man, it doesn't matter if you're a teacher or, you know, selling something or a vendor or a chef or whatever, like someone's going to find a reason to yell at you. So we try and just That's unfortunate. brush it off. But um, yeah, it, it gets to me. It gets to me sometimes because I look at how hard we work and I look at what we're trying mm-hmm. to do in the big picture. And I always want to kind of shake my finger and say, how dare you? And then I just get too busy and move on to the next thing. So, so just so that I can kind of, I'm a visual person. So is, is your location a 24-7 situation? Is there somebody always at your site for Pups Without Borders? Not always, uh, but we do have cameras set up in the main areas and all of the rooms that the dogs are in. And we have okay. alarms, and it's heavily uh, locked. And I live mm-hmm. like three and a half minutes from there. Uh, so the I idea was curious, was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if there was an emergency, we would just come by. But, yeah, in an ideal world, I would pay someone to sleep there every night, but there's no way we could afford it right now. Right. So mm-hmm. how many dogs that do, do – I'm trying to visualize the lo- physical lo- locale of what you yeah. have. So do you, do you have, like, cubicles that, that the, each dog is separated? How, kind of just, I'd like you to kind of describe for us yeah. what, what we could visualize. Sure. So the, the building that we rented for our facility actually used to be like a, a school, like a small school. So it had like large conference rooms and then it had smaller office spaces. So the large rooms we put kennels in, like five to six kennels that are about like eight by 10 feet. And each one of those will either have a big dog or maybe two smaller dogs or some older puppies. But generally that's like the adults more or less. And then the mm-hmm. smaller rooms we have, we usually use for puppies or moms and puppies or, uh, you know, we, we try and keep them separated just because sometimes the bigger dogs can intimidate the smaller dogs. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's how it's divided. And does everybody get along? I can't, I, I mean, do your pits get along Not with, your, with your schnauzers? Uh, we only let the dogs interact that will get along with each other. So a lo- most see. of the dogs don't actually interact with the other dogs um they're definitely certain groups like even their play groups with dogs that we know that they'll get along with and once once they join you in your facility and i'm just using that word because i don't know what other word to use no, and, and they're there okay perfect so now a dog has joined you in your facility what's the um average length of a time that a dog would be there with you before it would be adopted out that is a good question. Um, we've had dogs get adopted within a couple of days, and we've had dogs oh. for over a year. Uh, I would say, really? I know, on average, probably one month, maybe two. I see. Yeah. And are some dogs, adult dogs? Yes. That's yeah. what I was, you're you're so answering the, the question I didn't so, ask yet. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> The puppies tend to get adopted much faster. A lot more Mm -hmm. people are interested in adopting puppies. And then our adult dogs, sometimes they'll surprise us and they'll get adopted. You know, sometimes our moms will get adopted before the puppies even do. But most of the time, our adults will take at least a couple of months to get adopted. I see. So let's talk talk a little bit about um, the areas that you do serve and why those areas that you do serve. I know you mentioned that you are in Van Nuys, but um, talk a little bit more about that and why you why you are in that area. Um, I mean, this is just home in a way, uh-huh. uh, but we rescue dogs from, like I said, from Mexico, and then we've done local shelters as well. People now know where we are, so sometimes they just show up. People will just bring them. Um, but um, there's a... Uh, you know, there's a lot of need in California now as well. So um, we're, we're really just going where the need is. Us being in Van Nuys is just where a lot of our team is here in the Valley and kind of makes right. sense for us. But, um, right. Yeah, but we're, we're resting from Mexico, from local shelters here in L.A. County, from Central California, Northern California. Um, sometimes the farthest we rescued from is, is Puerto Rico, actually. No kidding. Well, how does yeah. a dog get 
from Puerto Rico to you? By plane. <laughs> so there's no, a, I mean, a great no, they walked, Marsha. It takes them about oh, three yeah, years. Uh, yeah. So there's a there's a rescue we've worked with in Puerto Rico called Paradise Rescue, and they actually reached out to us because they were looking for more rescue partners um, because they you know they, they're trying to move a lot of their dogs and find them homes. So they uh, provide services for the dogs there. They do a lot of spay and neuter and release, kind of like they do with cats. Uh, they mm-hmm. you know provide veterinary care, but anyone that they can, they try and move off the island either to Canada or the U.S. and find homes for. Um, so they reached out to us. We agreed to take four puppies, and they were um, the puppies came with what they call flight angels. So these were volunteers who were vacationing in Puerto Rico and were able to bring one to two puppies with them on the flight uh, to L.A., and our volunteers picked them up and met them at the airport, and, and that was that. You know, that, you, you, that's really interesting because that is what I was curious about, and that was, you know, when people don't live in this area and they hear about you and they want to get these dogs to you, um, is the, the expense on the person to fly with the dog? I mean, you don't just put, or, or I don't know, what is the process? Do dogs get put on a crate and shipped to you? How does that work? So uh, most of the dogs that we end up taking um, will pay a driver to pick up and bring to us. But that's, you know, if they're coming from, like, a local shelter or coming from Mexico. Um, But, yeah, sometimes it falls on us. Sometimes others are asking us for kind of a favor, and they're like, we'll do whatever Mm -hmm. we can to get this dog to you. Um, But, yeah, most of the time, uh, whenever possible, we have volunteers drive to these shelters and pick up the dog, and that's so helpful because it saves us a couple hundred dollars every time. Oh, sure. Absolutely. You must have such a dedicated staff. I mean, you don't, I don't think you go into this line of work just like you, like you did. You could have continued to teach music. Um, I don't think that, you know, people go into this line of work because they are, they are so giving and they, and they care so much. And so yeah. the fact that you've had, you know, it's one thing to have somebody in the valley that hears about you and drives for 20 minutes to get to you, but for somebody to, be a volunteer in your organization and say, look, I'm going to go to San Diego. It's going to take me yeah. two and a half hours to get there, but I'm going to pick up this, this, these dogs and I'm going to bring them back. And then obviously you don't feed, they, they have to be fed. They have to be cared for. You must have a tremendous amount of expenses that maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but, I mean, well, we could talk about it now. It must be very, very expensive to run an organization like yours, right? It is so expensive. <laughs> yes. Um, I look at, you know, I, I I don't know. Well, there's probably two or three rescues I know of that are well-funded enough that I don't think they're constantly worrying about whether they can continue. But the rest uh-huh. of us, the, you know, hundreds of other rescues, it's a daily struggle and you kind of wake up every day like, is this the day that we're not going to have enough money to, to function? Right, um, right. But, you know, as we get bigger, I think there are more and more people out there who care about us and our dogs so much that they will mm-hmm. do whatever they can to keep us afloat. And that's amazing. And that's, that's what we're, we're hoping the future holds. And actually, I mean, it's already shown itself. Every month we, we get more supporters, we get more donations. And I, I feel more solidified that we're we're not going anywhere. Um, but yeah, in terms of expenses, our biggest expenses are um, probably the vets to start, and then mm-hmm. rent. Sorry, actually, rent is our biggest expense, and it's sure. so necessary because we need somewhere to keep all these dogs. But it's it's ten thousand dollars a month. Um, My goodness. And yeah, yeah. So we always like pay it by the, you know. Skin of your it's teeth. always a miracle. Yeah, but it's skin of our teeth, exactly. And then um, utilities. I want to say LADWP is anywhere from like 1700 to 2500 every other month. Um, our insurance is usually oh. about 2000 every month to every other month. Um, it varies just because of the installment plan where it's like some months you're getting the lower payment, some months you're getting the higher payment. But, I, yeah, I want to say it's about fourteen to $15,000 a year just for insurance. Wow. Which I really wish we didn't have to have, but we absolutely do. Um, 
Of course. So yeah. things like that, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, paying our, our staff, it, it ends up adding up because, again, we think we have about 150 dogs in our network at every given time. We have mm-hmm. only three full-time employees that work literally 24-7. And then we have uh, – it, it, it adds up. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a, a huge expense and um, very stressful, always wondering how we're going to pay everything. Do you ever get, and I'm just, I'm thinking ahead, do you ever find that you're able to speak to different groups of people? Like, like for instance, I, I, I guess to just share what you do, like at, say, a Boys and Girls Club meeting, um, a PTA meeting, um, something that would be an organization that people raise dollars and help support other nonprofits. Do you... I mean, do you ever get, are you ever asked to speak at any of those kinds of um, functions? Yeah, actually, occasionally. Um, I know uh, Tristan, one of our uh, team members, um, he has some family members who work at Macy's, and they had him come uh-huh. in and talk about what we do, and they all did, like, they do some kind of matching donation. Uh, so nice. eventually that's going to come in. We just don't know what the amount is or with things like that, it's so amazing, but it's always kind of a surprise. Like it can take anywhere from, you know, six months to a year and then you get this check out of nowhere and you're like, what is this for? Right. Uh, so, you know, it could be a few hundred, it could be a few thousand. I have no idea, but uh, we've also gone to religious establishments. We've gone to schools. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. That's about it for people inviting us out to like, kind of educate the community about what we're doing. Uh-huh. I think that's great. Yeah. So for people yeah. that um, are are listening to this conversation that we're having, what would you say is something most people yeah. would have no idea about a dog rescue? It's like, what? Really? Is there something that would you think would surprise us? There's probably a couple things. Um, We've got some time. Go ahead. What do you got? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, I don't think, not to discredit the people who do know, I I think a lot of people don't know how much time goes into it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, sometimes we'll get messages even just from, like, fosters or volunteers, adopters, and they're generally very nice. They're just questions here or there. And I think people will sometimes get frustrated at how long it takes us to respond, um, mm. and I don't think what they realize is that we're, like, sometimes just as a joke, if I'm out with a friend or, or something, I'll put my phone, I'll take it off of vibrate, and if you just sit there, ding, ding, yeah. ding, yeah. ding, ding, it, it never ends, uh, and that's a combination of email, social media, text messages, phone calls, um, and we it's like you're constantly doing triage. So if I'm getting five texts, but at the same time I'm getting a phone call from the vet, I have to pick up from the vet because that dog can't leave the appointment until I approve the charges and give them the credit card info to check out. And then you have to go back and you're like, oh, what popped up on my phone that I accidentally hit red even though I didn't read it? Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that this is – we're, we're all working like five full-time jobs all the time. Right. Yeah, that's you know, the hard part. You know, Evie, I was what I was thinking about, I was thinking about, you know, who do I know? And also, those of you that are listening, who do you know? Wouldn't it be great if somehow one of the local TV stations that you could have them come out and film and talk with you about what you're doing so that it really got a lot of exposure? Wouldn't that be that awesome? Yeah, so for yeah, those, and, you know, probably. Oh, go ahead, please. No, I was just saying, for those of you that are listening that really do have a love, I, I, I know a lot of people that are involved, um, Angel City Pitbulls. I know people that are involved yeah. in a lot of different organizations to do what you're doing. Maybe they're more specific about, you know, the breed. This Angel City obviously is, is pits because those, mm-hmm. those dogs are so misunderstood and they're probably the most anesthetized dogs out there because people are so fearful of them and, you know, it's just unfortunate. But I was just thinking it would be so great if you could have some coverage where somebody could send the news crew out and do a feel-good story 
about what it is you offer because I would think that would be a great way to to raise dollars and we're, we'll talk about that as well but you know mm-hmm. I just I I would just love to see you get more money I'd love to see you maybe get two hours off a day where you don't have to just be having your head rotating on a spinning wheel um, <laughs> but but there are upsides right there are upsides working in dog rescue oh. and let, let's let's talk about that otherwise you wouldn't keep doing it so what are some of those upsides uh, I mean, the upside is is just the nature of what we're doing, which is helping dogs. So we're all in it for the dogs. Um, and I get to play with puppies every day. Like sometimes we'll have people come in and they walk in and there's like five puppies out playing and the look on their face that just, <gasps> you know, they're yeah. complete um, shock. And I forget that this is not what most people get to see every day, that they don't get to just hold right. puppies and get kissed by dogs and get hugs and uh, every time we get an adoption, it's it's like a little bit of serotonin. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's something good happening. Um, and I think we just are hardwired, all of us as humans, to remember bad things more than good. And I am mm-hmm. a great example of that. And we just focus on everything that's going wrong instead of the good things that are happening, the people who are volunteering their time, the people who are spoiling dogs that they rescued from us, Um there's so much good happening. Uh, we've had so mm-hmm. many, you know, donors who give us unbelievable things, uh, people who give us days at a time, and they make these drives, and they won't let us reimburse them for gas, and we had a photographer come and volunteer for time today. There's so many people who want to help, and it's so kind. It's, it's beautiful. Um, so getting to see kind of the best of people sometimes um, is, is incredible. But, yeah, the, the best part is simply – when we get to save a dog and watch them go home. Like today we had yes. an adoption. Uh, his oh. name is Sirius. And uh, like uh-huh. the constellation, I-R-I-U-S. Uh, and uh-huh. when we first found him, it was just a video that was sent to us of them, him and his siblings, as like one-month-old puppies laying in the dirt outside the stoop of this abandoned building in Tijuana. And there was like just mud and dirt and they were scared and trembling. Mm. And I showed the doctors a video and then I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh man, you won the lottery. Like he's going to go live in Santa Barbara. He's going to go camping. He's going to have the best life. So I got to take a couple seconds to just like process how amazing that is. But that's the best part of our job is is getting these dogs they deserve to go. Into their forever homes. So do you guys ever get bit? Or do you ever have any kind of dangerous situations that happen with these dogs? We do. It's probably less than you would think. Um, uh-huh. I've only been bit, you know, in three years I've been doing this, maybe three times. Um, mm. And it's usually a redirection. Like, um, and same with our staff, unfortunately, we've been bit a couple times. All of us have here and there. And it's usually a dog trying to bite another dog and we try and separate them and something just gets in the way. Um, mm-hmm. luckily we've never seen like a really severe injury. And I think part of that is, um, you know, us just having the skills necessary to, to kind of read body language, using leashes all the time, uh, just being cautious who we, which dogs we allow to interact with other dogs. Um, but yeah, we, you know, I went to the ER a couple of weeks ago for a, a thumb bite from my oh, foster one of our dogs was going after her, and it, it just happens. It's part of what we do. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So um, why do you think there's such a huge problem with dog overpopulation right now? Um, there are a couple answers to that, but the main reason that there's a huge overpopulation issue right now uh, is because of breeding, backyard breeders. So. Uh, it is already illegal to be a backyard breeder, if that makes sense. Like, it's not enforced. It's not enforced at all. Um, The only way we can enforce if there's a backyard breeding situation is if there are photos and videos of someone abusing a dog that they're breeding or abusing puppies, and then we have to spread it to a bunch of people, and then we have hundreds of people calling the police and animal services, and shockingly, once that happens, they show up. If it's a normal case and it's just one person seeing it happen and we call it in, nothing will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the shelters are 
some of them, some of the people at the shelters are doing their best and they're getting, uh, the, there's, there's too many dogs out there. And it's from backyard breeders. Uh, they adopt them out. They get money for it. They're not paying taxes on it. People have no idea what they're getting into. They just go and they're like, I think I want a dog today. And they go and they get a dog. And then anywhere from one month to 10 years later, they bring it to the shelter, they dump it, and then it becomes the city's problem. And then it becomes our problem. Not to say it as the dog is like a problem, but just speaking of it in the, like you're passing off this responsibility. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's it. There's just so many people in California, let's say, that are uninformed, that don't think of their pets as living beings that love them and would do anything for them. And there's too many backyard breeders. And you know what? There's too many ethical legal breeders as well. Um, The issue really just comes down to uh, how easy it is to create a life right now and sell it for a profit, even though there's a huge surplus of dogs already alive getting euthanized in the shelters. And they're not stopping it. The city's not doing anything to stop Hmm. people from breeding. Even though there's taxable income they're not getting, even though it's contributing to the problems at the shelters, there's dogs living in crates 23 hours a day getting out. Like, they're, they're in crates stacked in the hallways. It's like nothing anyone has seen before. And they still are selling breeder permits. So if you do want to breed, like, legally, you can buy a permit for 300 bucks at any shelter, and that's it. That's all you have to do. Um, so the problem is there's this huge problem, and they're not doing anything about it. They're having meetings. They're um, trying to appease the public, but they're, they're not doing anything, and I don't think they're going to until the mayor or maybe the director of animal services gets called out by name and gets enough people calling and complaining, then they're going to know that they're on the hot seat and then they're going to do something. Interesting. On a more positive yeah. note, I'm looking at yeah. your website while you and I are speaking, and I just love your volunteering page because those of you that do live in the area to help, um, you've got fostering, you've got dog walkers, you've got puppy handlers, you've got um, special skills, and and do you find that you're able to garner um, your volunteers this way? Yeah, yeah. We have some really amazing volunteers, and we tend to have kind of a small group that we go back to, um, but we mm-hmm. can always use more. So we have our volunteers that we know are great for events like puppy yoga or um, puppy parties. We have our volunteers that we ask first if we need a driver. Um, uh, we have volunteers who we use for photography, um, but it's it's a smaller list than you would think in terms of people who are consistently available and consistently, mm-hmm. like, want to help and reply. Um, but soon we will actually be launching kind of a campaign of sorts to get um, really large positions filled by volunteers. Other rescues are doing it, and while it's a bit crazy in my mind, I think it's it's the only way that we're able to, like, stay afloat is by using volunteers because if we sure no rescue can afford to, to pay people for all the services that we need help with. Can can scout troops, Boy Scout troops, Girl Scout troops, things like that, do you ever find that they could be volunteers that could just help? I mean I, I, I presume yeah. that there must be a process you have to go through um to do that, right? Yeah, I mean there's definitely the the big thing for us is like the waiver and just making sure that we've talked about what it is they're going to be doing. But uh, Joanna, Mm -hmm. our adoption coordinator, her daughter is in the Girl Scouts, and their troops has done a couple things for us. They've also come and sold cookies at the facility. But they actually, on their own, they had an idea about creating, like, um, go bags for dogs and puppies that get adopted. And we have a a shelf in our adoption room at the facility of supplies that they gathered and purchased with their um, earnings to donate to us so that we can sell them for, you know, whatever we want, 10 or $20 when a dog gets adopted to bring in some income on our end. And they came up with this all on their own and they came and played nice. with the puppies and we got a little piece of party. But yeah, um, you know, anyone can help. Uh, I don't think a lot of people realize that, that they can help. And especially if they have some kind of group that they're a part of or, um, you know, even a lot of people don't know that their employers will often match donations. So a lot of people work yes. for businesses that um, will either make a donation if you volunteer your time or will match a donation if you make one. But those are, are always huge helps because 
you know, as much as we wish this wasn't the case, finances are the best way for people to help us. I'm sure that's true. And I, I'm just, my mind is still spinning um, as I'm thinking. Have have you been covered in the in your local newspapers? We have local West, Westchester newspapers. Do you have local uh-huh. um, newspapers as well? I mean, I, I think the problem with L.A. is our local newspapers probably like the L.A. Times. <laughs> I don't think we oh, well, that. yeah. I mean, uh-huh. but, you know, I mean, I don't want to get started on the LA Times because I get that still too, but um, but but like for instance, there's a, there's a newspaper in Torrance. I know I'm speaking to you now, and sure. people don't know where Torrance is, but I mean the Daily Breeze is in Torrance. I also received that. So out in the Valley, isn't there something called Valley News or something like that? That's like a local newspaper that people can get. Probably, yeah. Um, we we haven't spoken to them or, or anything, but, yeah, I think you're right. There's probably some smaller papers. Yes, I think I, mean, I just thought of another place that, that might be worth considering, and that's your local Chamber of Commerce. Oh, yeah. Have you, have you thought about yeah. joining the Chamber of Commerce? No, I don't think I would even know how to do that. <laughs> oh, it, they just want your money. I mean, they just you just oh. pay a dues to be a member. No, I mean, I don't mean to be so crass. I mean, you just really, I'm, I'm a member of, my, of our local chamber of commerce. I recommend that you consider the, getting involved with the chamber of commerce. See what, it would char- what they would charge you to be a member. It's a business-to-business kind of situation. And you're, you're then, you're, that now you're having conversations with people that maybe they're in the insurance industry maybe they're in you know whatever finance all these different things business small business owners but i would really suggest that you look into that because that might be you know another source of income and like you said matching donations and things like that chamber of commerce and um you know if i was somebody that was the editor of a local newspaper i would certainly want to do a feature about you and what you offer oh. your community, because how would they know otherwise? Where's your Where's your That's advertising coming from? So you know, I I would really rec. I'm you you haven't asked me to solve any of these issues, nor did you tell me that you had any. But I'm just, uh, my mind is sort of racing around. We need to get more funding to you because of what your you just mentioned. Your costs are so high. So you know, does. Adopting through a rescue, it really does make a difference, don't don't you think, as opposed to buying from a breeder? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, Yeah. It's kind of like the choices that you make in your everyday life of where you're going to, not that dogs are like a car or like your grocery items, but, yeah, I mean, when you go to a rescue, you're supporting rescues. You're giving your money to a rescue. When you go to a breeder, you're giving your money to an individual who has decided to create life when there's a surplus of life. So I feel right. like that's just an unethical decision, whether it's an ethical mm-hmm. breeder or a backyard breeder. You know, and there are ethical breeders, quote-unquote, who, who yeah. uh, you know, get vet checks and will take the dog back if it doesn't work out. The majority are not, and we mm-hmm. get a ton of our dogs because some horrible breeder out there adopted the adopted, quote-unquote, sold them to somebody mm-hmm. who didn't know what they were doing, and that person dumped them. Um, and sometimes it's even an ethical breeder, but uh, they are making a choice to put a price on a life knowing that there's other lives out there being taken. Um, and I think that is a, a bad choice to make. So right. when you decide to go to a breeder, you know, for whatever reason, like, oh, I really want a golden, I really want a poodle, whatever, I'm allergic, sure, or we really want to know the lineage. Well, we rescue pregnant dogs, so you get to meet the mom. <laughs> um, right. And sometimes it's a purebred pregnant dog that we save from a breeder who beat it mm-hmm. or, you know, dumped it at the vet when it got sick. Um, every rescue is going to have purebred dogs as long as breeders continue to be selfish, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So mm-hmm. you don't have to go to a breeder. If you want a purebred dog, go to a rescue and wait for them to save one right. from a breeder who dumps it. <laughs> which happens every day. Exactly. So, you know, you must have some really fam- favorite success stories about 
the different dogs that have found homes because I don't know does it does I, I'm just curious before I ask you to share some of those do you find that people that come and adopt your dogs are more interested in male dogs over female dogs or female dogs over male dogs or is it just that face and it's like oh that's the face I want you know I just was curious about that uh, every person is looking for something different. Um, they I live for every pot, but some people come in and they're like, I want a female because my last dog was male, or I want uh, this breed because my current dog is, is this breed and I know right. they're you know, Each family is, is totally different, but the majority of people come in and they're like, I want a dog around this age, under this weight, and with this kind of personality. Most of the time Got it's it. kind of the person or, you know, they have kids and they want to make sure the dog is really friendly with kids. Um, so, yeah, most people just want a companion that they know is going to fit with their lifestyle, and we're sure. all for helping them find one. Make that happen. So do you have yeah. some favorite stories that have just happened, say, in the last yeah. few weeks? It was like, oh, my God, the news camera should have been here for this. I'd love to hear some of your success stories. Oh. I mean, one of, well, my favorite one of all time that was not a few weeks ago, but I'll never forget, was um, Sunshine, who was a, a German shepherd, kind of older, maybe eight, nine-month-old puppy who uh, lost the use of her back legs. So she had them amputated, and she was in a wheelchair. Oh, no. um, And we rescued her. Yeah, and she she was hard. I, I fostered her myself because you can't really give uh, an amputee in a wheelchair to the average foster and we, you know, she wore diapers, we expressed her bladder, but she was oh my a rainbow time. That's why we named her that. And uh, we would take her to the dog park in her wheelchair and she would run with the other dogs. She was so much fun. But we kind of assumed that no one would ever adopt her because it was hard. It's hard to have a dog who's, mm-hmm. you know, wheelchair. That's um, Sure. And exactly. And she got adopted. She got adopted by a young woman in North Carolina who had a, a special needs dog, already who had no eyes, um, a pity mix. And um, she's now adopted a third dog in a wheelchair as well. So she has three special need dogs on this huge oh. ranch in North Carolina. So Sunshine, is her name is Zazzle now. Um, she, oh. she won the lot. She really, you know, she went from being under a car in Tijuana to, to having her own ranch. Um, so that was one of our first favorites. Um, and then yeah. I'd say recently... Uh, recently, a lot of our followers will remember the um, park puppies. Uh, we got a call on a Sunday during the heat wave that there was uh, a cardboard box full of puppies at the Reseda Dog Park. Or, sorry, oh, my goodness. Dog park. Yeah, so, um, you know, we get the emergency call. We went over there, picked them up. Um, one of them looked really dehydrated, wasn't doing well. I ended up naming her Sequoia. Uh, and I honestly thought she wasn't going to make it. She just, she didn't want to eat. She, we had to separate her from the other puppies. Um, but I was able to give her fluids and kind of syringe feed her. And within two days, she kind of perked up and started being like, she was definitely the one, but, you know, being more playful and active. Um, we got them, you know, screened for any diseases. Uh, we got them healthy. And within a few weeks, they were all adopted. And they're all in homes now. The farthest one is actually Aww. in Colorado one of our favorite wow. doctors ever, her name is Lauren. Yeah, and we made a lifelong friend with Lauren. Um, and we've actually worked together trying to move dogs to Colorado. Um, so it, it was an amazing experience, and uh, I think they found incredible homes, those, those puppies. How did Lauren even hear about you to know you do this? I think it was social media. I think she saw, or maybe it was even Pet Finder. I think she had like a an alert oh. out looking for multi-use mixes um, because she had lost her previous dog and was looking for, you know, a puppy. But it, she knew it had to be the right puppy. Um, and she saw her and she said she knew it was her. So it was, it was meant to be. And she came down with her, her husband and uh, they flew back with a little, um, this was Everglade, who um, I can't remember her new name, but the uh-huh. cutest little puppy on her. Yeah, she's she's living a very good life. You must, that must be so, I mean, how do you just not put your hand over your heart when you tell these stories and realize the mission you're on, that it's not self-serving. It is, it is to do the best you can for these animals. You are their spokesperson. 
and I I really I'm so I'm so happy that that we were able to have this hour together because I really do believe as someone that adopted a cat from Wallace Annenberg Pet Space not far from where I live and there are dogs there too but if you can you know afford to adopt and you and you want to have a dog and you and you can go and see pictures of dogs or visit the dogs I mean I just think this is great and I really do um suggest that you might want to look into some of my ideas about the Chamber of Commerce and your your local um newspapers just to see you know where else you can get the word out so more and more people can support you either by by rescuing the dog, fostering the dog or financially supporting you because you know like you mentioned this is a very expensive um organization you're a dot org you're not a dot com and so That's just true. so you all remember it's pups without borders dot org there's a donation page on your website and people can certainly make a contribution and maybe like you said do a matching funds where they work to just say you know I'll donate a hundred and so will my boss and that would be terrific so I just think that you are somebody that's really special you have a a huge heart that must just take up your entire chest because you are so giving. I just want to that's thank so you. Kind. Thank I, you I so really, much. I'm, well, and you know there are other people that do podcasts and and I I just need to I need to do some more thinking about how I can help you spread the word as they say. But for now, I'm going to let you get back to your doggies. And and know that um, this has been a true pleasure getting to speak with you and getting to share your story with our listeners. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Okay. All right, everybody. Well, just so you know, there are one, two, three, four Mondays. One, two, three, four. That's right. So I'll be back again next week. But for now, I'm going to say goodbye and let Evie get on with the rest of her day. Bye for now, everybody. <laughs>